Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulillah sallallahu aleyhi ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve mevala ve ba'du. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ta'ala ve berekatuhu. Ahlan ve sahlan ve marhaban bikum. Welcome you all back to our series on the supplications or the duas from the Quran and Sunnah also known as I am near. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically tells us that he is near when he speaks about the verses in Surah Al-Baqarah of our, uh, representing the month of Ramadan or speaking about the month. In the previous segment, we looked at the supplication of Nabi Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam, La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu minal zalimin. There is no deity worthy of worship except you alone, O Allah. You are free of all defects. You are transcendent. Indeed, I am of the wrongdoers. And we compared this also with the supplication of the Prophet wasallam, which he says is one of the best forms of supplication. And that's merely to just say, Alhamdulillah. All praise is due to Allah. And we said if you look at these supplications, what you would notice is that as a dua, compared to what we think, what we mostly think a dua should be or what a dua is, it's somewhat strange that these are such significant supplications because there's no apparent request in this dua. The requests are implicit as opposed to being explicit. And we said that <clears throat> often we would mistakenly go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a shopping list, a list of demands. Oh Allah, give me this. Oh Allah, give me that. Oh Allah, grant me this. Oh Allah, grant me that. Which is not wrong but it is not the correct manner of addressing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is not the most potent way of, of asking of our needs. So we said, look at this as an example. And we also mentioned that throughout the Quran, throughout the Sunnah, we see this time and time again. I like to refer to this as the secret recipe in dua because Few people actually notice this in the supplications of the Quran and the Sunnah. We become more accustomed to, um, you know, the type of dua where we're simply asking for something. But if you observe the supplications of the prophets and the messengers, and I'm speaking going beyond just repeating what they said without giving it any thought. I'm speaking about some level of study you know, at least to the extent of what we are doing here, where we're really giving it some thought, you notice that there's a set of adab and etiquettes with dua. Some of them we are already familiar with. When we start, we praise Allah. Not just to say Alhamdulillah once, but to praise and praise and praise and praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different forms, depending on how lengthy your supplication is going to be or on what it is that you're going to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but praise Him, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. Praise Him through His names and attributes. Then salutations upon Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And then the secret sauce, the secret recipe, which is no secret at all, but it's not, it's not observed by many people. And that is to declare the greatness of Allah in relation to the weakness of ourselves, right? And this we see directly in this application of Nabi Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam. La ilaha illa anta subhanak. 
There's no deity worthy of worship except you, O oh Allah. Subhanak, you are perfect. Inni kuntu min al-zalimin. Indeed, I am of the wrongdoers. So you see the contrast. Declaring Allah's perfection and declaring my absolute humility, my absolute need and dependence on Him, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. So if I speak about the secret sauce or the secret recipe again in the future, this is what I'm speaking about. That contrast and presenting that contrast between the perfection of Allah with our humility in comparison to it. right? And there's of course no comparison, but this is something that is often found in supplications. Now, we can go through probably the life of every messenger where there's a dua mentioned. But we'll just look at a few examples as we go along, inshallah. The first example I'd like to look at is that of Nabi Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Now remember, when Nabi Musa uh, grew up in the house of Fir'aun, he had privilege, he was witness to many things, and he was also witness to a lot of oppression. And the oppression and the wrongdoing that he witnessed, it eventually got to him, and he couldn't contain himself. So we know the story in Surah Qasas, where the copt, uh, the copt god was fighting with one of the Bani Israel, and... Um, to 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 cut a long story short because it's a very interesting story and it has it has a lot of lessons. Um, Nabi Musa comes to the, to the defense of one of the Bani Israel, and the the next day, while well, he comes to the defense of of this uh, member of the Bani Israel, and he kills the copt, but it was accidental; it was a mistake. And then the next day, uh, Nabi Musa والسلام, finds that. The same member of the Bani Israel is in a fight with another Coptic god and he figures that this guy, this person, is actually a troublemaker. But as he goes to, to sort of help the guy without intending to do any harm to the god, uh, he lets it slip that Nabi Musa killed the person the day before. Now by this time, Nabi Musa والسلام, was already in a state of remorse and regret. So he turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's, you know, he does a number of things. He leaves, he leaves Egypt and so forth, but he turns to Allah and he supplicates with a beautiful supplication. He says, Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi faghfirli. Rabbi, O oh my Lord. And it's short, this Rabbi with the kasra uh, underneath it is short for Rabbi, O oh my Lord. Right? Inni, indeed I, you see the similarities of the supplication that we mentioned before. Inni, zalamtu nafsi, I have wronged myself. Rabbi, inni, zalamtu nafsi. Oh my Rabb, I have committed zulm. I have committed a transgression, I have oppressed my own self. How do you commit oppression against yourself? Um, basically, you, you are not giving your nafs, you are not giving your soul due justice. You are doing wrong. How? By disobeying the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he he's saying this, Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi. Oh my Lord, I have wronged myself. Faghfirli. So forgive me. That's it. That's the supplication. Now, as simple and as straightforward as the supplication is, it still contains that formula that we just mentioned. 
where? How can it possibly contain that formula? You see, the the formula is 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 two things here. Yeah? It's like three words. Rabbi means my Rabb. The word Rabb in and of itself contains the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's Rabbul Alameen. Rabbi, my Rabb. I am a nothing. You are my Rabb, which means I am your Abd. So there we're declaring the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what did we say? What do you contrast that with? With the weakness of ourselves. Zalamtu nafsi. I've wronged myself. Now as opposed to the previous examples, like la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min and alhamdulillah as in the example with uh, the prayer of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, here we see that he does actually mention the word forgive me. But he says it in such a beautiful way. He says it in such a succinct way. Because on the one hand he turns to Allah, Rabbi, O oh my Lord, to nafsi, I've wronged myself. And he's thinking about this specific incident. He's not thinking like, you know, in general I'm just making a dua that I memorized. He's in the moment where he's feeling remorse for his action He's thinking about a specific thing that he regarded as being sinful. Of course, that's a long Akida discussion that the prophets, alayhi uh, salatu wasalam, they are not they are not guilty of sin. They they are ma'asum, but we're not here to discuss that right now. But still, they spoke about their own actions as though it was proper sins because of the closeness with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Right? When you're close with Allah, a small thing that would be small for for other people will be big for somebody who's close. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you want to know how potent this beautiful supplication is? All you have to do is look at the next word. The next word in the ayah, and again this is Surah Al-Qasas, ayah number 16. Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi faghfirli. Oh my Lord, I've wronged myself, so forgive me. What does Allah say? So Allah forgave him. Subhanallah. It's so it's so profound. Because how many times have we slipped? How many times have I slipped away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And it feels like my whole world is crumbling down on me. My consciousness is getting the better of me. It's haunting me. I'm thinking, how will I get away from this sin? How I've disappointed myself, how I've disappointed my parents, how I've disappointed Allah, how I've disappointed my family. And here I see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who I'm so worried about disappointing, his doors of rahmah are so wide. He barely requires me to say three words. And he demonstrates this in the actions of Nabi Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, again, Nabi Musa killed the copt by accident, right? But even in our society today, if you were to do this, if you were to kill someone, it would still haunt you. You would still call it murder, even if it was an accident. And that act committed by you know an ordinary person, not a prophet now, that act has consequences. But we didn't, inshallah, you know, if somebody perhaps out there even committed murder, this may bring them hope as well. But for the most part, I, I, I can safely assume that the audience 
most of us have not taken the life of another human being, but we've committed other sins, major atrocities. And there's some sin that's probably haunting you on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, haunting you every Ramadan, haunting you throughout Hajj, haunting you whenever you feel like you're going closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it's as though the sin, you know, am I ever going to be forgiven for this one thing? You know, I, I understand Allah is the most forgiving, but you know, this one thing was horrible. If you think like that, remember this supplication. Rabbi, inni zalamtu nafsi. Oh my Lord, I have committed zulm against myself. I've wronged myself. Please forgive me. And inshallah, as, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had said to Nabi Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah, inshallah Allah will, Allah will forgive us also. Regardless of the size of your sin. Remember, and this is one of the reasons we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in dua. Think of the person making dua. Humble before Allah. Think of their hands. Where should their hands be? Should their hands be, you know, resting in their lap? Should they be cupping their hands together if there's nothing wrong with them physically? Should they be reclining, you know, chilling against the wall? One leg up, one leg down. You know, should they be keeping their, their, their hands on their laps because it's too difficult to hold up? A person who is genuinely begging Allah would take the appearance of a beggar before Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we make dua like that, it's not about how long the dua is or how, how uh, you know, rare the, the Arabic words are that you are using or, or how fluent you are in reciting the words or how, how much lagu you can throw into the dua when you say it. You know, sometimes in Cape Town, we've got beautiful lagus, especially if you listen in the month of Ramadan, the dua post tarawih, Ya Rab, it's become, it's become so beautiful to listen to the Bilal's and the Mu'addins, and, and, and that's great. But that's not the, the qualifier of a dua. How many of us have taken the time to try and think about those supplications? And they are beautiful supplications. We need to try to connect with our dua on a deeper level because if dua is the essence of worship and I'm not connecting to dua then isn't it logical then for me to 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 be aware of the fact that I'm actually not connected to the essence of worship supplication is not just to to request and to ask because it's ritualistically done at certain times We've done that. We've made it into an opening dua and a closing dua, you know, so that we can do whatever we want in between and feel good about it. But there's no such thing really as a formal opening dua and a formal closing dua. We, we, we just add a little bit of dua here and there so that it can feel more Islamic. But let us take some time, especially in Ramadan, to genuinely connect to dua. So you picture yourself sitting like that before Allah, having prepared yourself with wudu. Not that it's necessary, but you, you know you want to optimize your chances. So you perform a, a wudu with consciousness. You sit facing the qibla. Again, not required, but you want to optimize. You wait for the best of moments every day before iftar. 
and you turn to Allah with sincerity, with passion, with presence of heart, mind and soul, and you think about the worst of sins that you've committed, and you present it before Allah, declaring His perfection and your absolute humility in, in front of Him, and you beg of Him, Oh Allah, Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi. Rabbi inni zalamtu nafsi. Faghfirli. May Allah grant us that our du'as be accepted and that we can move on from whatever it is that's holding us back from the Sirat al-Mustaqeem. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.